Have I got your attention now? Good. Business was handled in Morgantown, West Virginia this past Saturday as your Kansas State Wildcats went into Milan Pushkar Stadium and down the Mountaineers of West Virginia, 48-31, to the final score. The win improved Kansas State to 8-3 and on the season, 6-2 and in Big 12 play. On the losing end, Neil Brown fell to 4-7 and on the year, just 2-6 and in league games. The West Virginia head coach might not hold that title for much longer, but that is neither here nor there. We're not here to talk about the future of West Virginia football. We're here to talk about your Kansas State Wildcats getting it done on the road and moving one game closer to a berth in the Big 12 championship game. This is the College and Kimball podcast. I am your host, Jeff Burkhart. This game was obviously wild. If you missed any part of the first quarter, chances are you missed one, if not multiple scores. Frenetic pace, both teams moving up and down the field on the other's defense. Nobody really able to settle in and establish any kind of a of a flow to this game. And that, that I think, did play to the advantage of the Mountaineers. They, they're obviously wanting to make this as chaotic as they possibly can. And K-State's defense is struggling to get off the field. They're giving up big plays in the passing game. There's a couple of different ways I feel like fans are looking at this. A lot of people coming away feeling disappointed with the play of the defense and that they're letting a backup quarterback throw for this and that, and they're letting West Virginia do this, that, and the other. I come away looking at it from this perspective. K-State's offense responded whenever West Virginia threw a punch back at it. So whenever K-State needed a score, the offense delivered a score. K-State scored on all of its first half possessions except the one that was a pick six in, for West Virginia. I, I can't be upset with a team that scores 28 in the first quarter and 41 in the first half. It, it's really hard for me to be upset with with that type of an effort from this offense, which was, uh, again, Sands one play flawless in its its play in the first half. Will Howard was terrific once again, very sharp in the passing game. Busted a couple of plays over the top of the secondary. Deuce got loose for a nice touchdown run. And and honestly, as we moved into the second half, I felt like both teams went to one another and there was that symbolic handshake of, okay, that was wild. You know, let's, let's both settle down. West Virginia gets the ball to start the second half. We'll let the chips fall where they may. And, and the game, once it did become much more stable, I'll say, the Wildcat defense settled in and, and performed at the level that we've seen it perform at throughout the course of this season, for the most part. Um, again, I'm not going to nitpick here because this has been a tricky spot. I said this was going to be a tough out in the preview episode. It's it's pretty well documented. K-State prior to this game had not won in Morgantown since 2014. West Virginia prior to last year had won the last five in the series. This was going to be a challenge for Kansas State. And to that point, they they responded and they responded each time they one side of the ball needed to step up. It delivered throughout the course of this game and it led to a big victory for Kansas State, putting up 
one of the highest point totals on the road in a Big 12 game. You have to go all the way back to a game against Texas Tech in 2013 from the last time the Wildcats scored more than 48 points on the road. It was a very solid effort from this Kansas State offense in producing what was Chris Kleiman's 100th career coaching victory. He's 132 all-time as a head coach, 28-19 and 19 here in his time in Manhattan. And that win was Kansas State's fourth on the road in Big 12 play. And there are only two other teams in school history that have won four conference road games. And this is good company to be in. The 2012 squad, which obviously won the Big 12 championship and played in the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon. And the 1998 squad. I don't need to talk about what happened with that team. But again, as every K-State fan knows, those are pretty two, two good squads to be mentioned in the same air as another thing for Chris Kleiman with this win, his eighth regular season win gets contract extension that will now run through the end of the 2026 regular season with that final year being valued at 4.3 million. I don't want to talk too much about coaching rumors. We know that there's a school up North that might potentially come calling. There's a lot of things at play here. I, I don't want to spread any rumors and speculate. I, I will say the fact that Gene Taylor is here gives me ease. The fact that I know K-State donors are, are recognizing that we've got a pretty good coach here and, and one that has this program poised to, to continue this ascension up in the Big 12 and what will be a new look Big 12 with this recruiting class that's going to be coming in here. I think everybody knows that you need to do what you can to keep Chris Kleiman and company around. Uh, does that mean that there's going to be a new contract potentially in play at the end of this regular season or at the end of this season as a whole after the bowl game is played? Who's to say? I, I, I have a feeling, though, that people will be willing, money people, uh, as far as K-State goes, will be willing to pony up here for Chris Kleiman and also for the assistant coach's salary pool as well. I'll just leave it at that. Now, this win was big for a number of different reasons, and I want to go ahead and, and and dive into this game and start off by just saying again, high level. I, I talked about it on Twitter. This game just this game came into the bar already blacked out. Can't find the ID. Dropped the phone in the toilet. Vomited. Made out with a stranger. This game was just faded, and I, I really do think though for those who are trying to be negative and tear down the defense, I really do feel like the Wildcats were in a spot to truly blow the doors off West Virginia when they forced them to that fourth down and four on the Mountaineers second possession with them already in a 14 0 hole. And you for, you flush Garrett green out and he makes a play credit to him. He makes a good play. He hits a, uh, uh, a wide receiver gets a first down and then goes over the top beats Josh Hayes. Sam James has a nice catch there to get the touchdown to make it 14 to seven. This game was just teetering at that point. I think if K-State had gotten that stop that they would have had a pretty good opportunity to go down and make West Virginia face a three score hole. And it, it might've been venturing into big time blowout territory for the Wildcats. But as I said, this West Virginia squad has been prickly all year long they've been tough at home they put up an average of 38 uh, excuse me 34.8 points per game in big 12 home games this year they responded and again i think you did see 
there were still some players coming out there that were motivated, who were trying to play, uh, be it for Neil Brown, for, for bowl eligibility, whatever the case might have been. West Virginia just didn't roll over and, and die in this game. Uh, I just really think that's a group that, that lacks continuity, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And there, there's a whole host of other problems that are going on in Morgantown. But they, they put forth another respectable effort. Kansas State was just flat out the better team in this one. And, and more than anything, at, at a macro level, as far as how this game was unfolding, that crazy pace that we were seeing in the first quarter, you could run down the defense if you want. But honestly, I, I come away and say, man, no side really had an opportunity to catch its breath in this one. You look at how this game unfolded. K-State's first possession, two minutes touchdown. West Virginia's first possession, a minute and one second pick six. West Virginia's second possession, three minutes, 25 seconds touchdown. K-State's second possession, pick six for West Virginia. K-State's third possession, touchdown, a minute, 22 seconds. West Virginia's next possession, stopped on fourth down after just a minute and 41. K-State's next possession, touchdown, a minute, 14. West Virginia's next possession, touchdown to Sam James, bomb, over, and that just took 48 seconds. Listen, that you're not going to replicate that scoring, that pace, that none of that is sustainable. I would love to think that K-State scoring 28 points in a quarter is sustainable, but it's not. And that's why I, I come away again saying this game just was was crazy and it needed to slow down. And, and ultimately it did. Both defenses, as best they could, did settle in. And it was really K-State's defense that won the second half in a big way for the Wildcats. And they had already, they held that two-score lead throughout the course, really, of this entire game. Uh, and I'll start off here because I want to praise the offense for what it did in this game. 48 points. I mentioned it the most in a road conference game since that 2013 win over Texas Tech. 28 first quarter points, the most since K-State rang up KU for 35 in 2015. That was a terrible David Beatty squad. And then the Cats ultimately end up averaging 6.3 yards per play. West Virginia was given up 6.2 yards per play, so pretty much right at the Mountaineers' average. At 6.3 yards per play on 69 snaps, nice. Uh, The Wildcats, six scores in the first seven possessions of the game. The first seven possessions, I should say, of the first half. And that only one in which they didn't score was a score for the other team, the the West Virginia pick six. Average starting field position, K-State won with a pretty decisive edge here. K-State's own 42 to West Virginia's 23. The Wildcats, 9 of 14 on third down. 0 of 2, though, on fourth down. 3 of 4 in the red zone. All of those red zone scores were touchdowns. The only time in which the Wildcats turned it over in the red zone, Julius Brents came up with the pick on the ensuing play to get the ball back for the Wildcats, and then they scored just a couple of plays later. So all's well that ends well. And K-State, 14 points off of two turnovers. Cats win time of possession, 31 to 30. Uh, excuse me, 31-36 to 28-24. Uh, again, offense was it was another solid performance by Will Howard in directing this offensive attack. He throws for 294, a couple of touchdowns on just 27 attempts, also rushed for a touchdown. He he just continues to to amaze in, in his development, his progression, and going through his reads, identifying the, the right targets. I, I, I was a little upset, obviously, with that throw on, on the little scramble drill that resulted in the pick six. But 
you have a little miscommunication where he, he gets flushed a little bit. Cade Warner sitting on that little uh, in route and, and then just decides to release at the last second. And that's kind of where the miscommunication occurs. West Virginia gets the pick. And again, you really do have to nitpick in his game. He's He's been great for Kansas State. He's thrown for over 1,000 yards now in the almost four full games that he has played this year. He, he he's he's big will man he's big will he's stepping up in big moments he's delivering he's not being phased when the moments are getting too tense and the game is getting tight that was honestly i i felt like k-state's response in that first quarter after the pick six was going to be pretty big in defining how this game ended up playing out and Will Howard didn't wasn't asked to do much. The Wildcats scored a touchdown. DJ Giddens running around, uh, for that 51-yard score along the far sideline. And once K-State got that one, I, I felt pretty comfortable because more than anything else, you, you just don't want any, any shred of old Will Howard to, to potentially re-enter the back of his mind. And, and I'm not really that worried about it. He seems like a completely different player. He's so much more poised now than he was a year ago. And we've all, it's been mentioned ad nauseum, he's so much more confident with the ball in his hands. And he knows where he's going with it pre-snap. He's making the right reads. He's checking into the right plays. He's finding the guys. The offense is executing. Again, this this passing game continues to, to impress. And the Wildcats are, are, are such a more formidable team now than than really that I can ever recall and Skylar Thompson was great last season but even he was he was certainly more risk averse and and was not one to take a lot of chances down the field against opposing secondaries and and that is not at all the mo of Will Howard I love the fact that he he continues to to say to himself and, and and to look at defenses to make the right reads and know when that when Ben Sennett's gotten at the right position behind a linebacker and he's able to float that ball in over the top, whenever he's able to identify a guy, if it's on a screen pass and the blocker's able to get out in space and let Phillip Brooks or let Malik Knowles work, whoever it may be, he's just been sharp. He's just been sharp and, he, he, and he's been, I won't say surgical, but pretty damn close to that at almost 55% on his completion rate now and I just love what I'm seeing out of him, and I love that he's getting to reap the, the, the rewards of sticking with this program. This kid deserves it more than just about anybody else. What, what I've loved for the Adrian Martinez reclamation, uh, excuse me, the the redemption story to to be with this for this to be him in this position. Of course, that would have been a great story for college football for Adrian Martinez to be a, a, one of the the focal points of a Big 12 championship caliber team. But at the same breath, uh, selfishly, as just a, a, obviously a, a, a graduate and a fan of Kansas State, uh, I'm happy to see whoever it is having success. And, and as somebody who who hated seeing so many fans bash Will Howard for his play as a true freshman when he was nowhere near prepared to, to step into the limelight, I, I'm just I could not be happier for him in his effort. And again, going 19 of 27 exact same stat line that he had as far as attempts and completions against Baylor the week prior this time though throwing for 294 only threw for 195 against the Bears the previous week I I will say running game in this contest a little bit frustrated with the production we got there obviously you had the big 
chunk play from Giddens with that 51-yard touchdown. Deuce Vaughn had the 15-yard touchdown on the first possession of the game. But it, it, it was really pretty predictable, I'll say, in the, in the second half. And, and maybe that's part of it, though, that, 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 that was just playing into the strategy of what Kleiman and, and, and offensive coordinator Chris, uh, Chris Klein, what offensive coordinator Colin Klein was wanting to do and just trying to get this game again to a much more manageable pace. And, and, and K-State was more predictable in its run formations when it was obviously just trying to kill clock. It didn't want to continue to force the issue. I, I felt like the Wildcats, if they wanted to keep bombing away, they could have absolutely done that. And Will Howard could have thrown for 400, 450, however many yards, and K-State could have hung six. 60 or 70 on this West Virginia team if it wanted to, but the game needed to slow down. You needed to give your defense a chance to, to catch its breath. So to that point, yes, a little bit frustrating that the run game couldn't really churn out more and you maybe didn't get that one additional score that you wanted to make yourself feel totally safe in the second half, just 22 rushes for 46 yards. But as I said, I felt like that was really just the effort to try and slow down the pace of the game, try to kill clock. And honestly, in K-State's, what was it, second to last possession of the game, DJ Giddens was running hard for the Wildcats there and picked up a couple of first downs and allowed the Wildcats to eat a couple of minutes of clock there so they didn't give the ball back to West Virginia and give them any outside shot of of making this a game and having this come down potentially to any kind of onside kicks or anything squarely on special teams. So that's one area I was a little frustrated with the cats only rushing for 143 and averaging 3.4 per carry. But at the end of the day, that's pretty much right at West Virginia's average. They've been a pretty solid team against the run this year. They came into the game holding opponents to 147.2 on the ground pretty much right where they're at. And this defensive line has some playmakers on it. We Dante stills got called a handful of times. And, and like I said, they were pretty keyed in, in the second half when the wildcats were just really closing up the playbook and trying to get out of there without having to put the ball in the air, stopping the clock risk, stopping the clock risk, giving West Virginia more possessions, more time. Like I said, you would like for Kansas State to maybe have turned out a couple more yards, but I think just the way that that game played out in the first 30 minutes, I'm fine with the way that the offense executed as a whole in this game and that the offense was able to just really grind out that that final couple, of, uh, really those final two quarters and get the, the one necessary score to make it. At that point, it was um, 48 to 25, and that really effectively put the game out of reach after Malik Nils had that nice catch and run for a touchdown. So that being said, uh, as far as players to, to mention, we talked about Will Howard's effort uh, and that the fact that he's thrown for over 1,000 yards in just four games of action. Malik, six catches for him in this one on seven targets, 111 yards, 77 yak yards. One should have had two touchdowns, got dropped just short of the goal line, missed out on what should have been his uh, he's missed out on three touchdowns this season, but he does get one later on in the contest. And uh, with this effort, his six catches, he moved uh, into a tie for 10th all-time in career catches at K-State with 120, uh, 123. You love seeing this from him, and we've been just begging for this type of effort from Malik Knowles. And, and truthfully, just with the way that this offense has been moving the ball and this renewed focus into taking shots down the field. 
Malik's had a chance to shine. And again, very much the same way that I'm thrilled for Will Howard. I'm thrilled for Malik Knowles because he too has always been looked at as the guy. And frankly, I'll say I, I, I do harbor some of the guilt here as well. And in the sense that I always said, we, we need to be force feeding this ball to Malik Knowles in the passing game because he is our best option and he can, he's dangerous and he can go up and grab it. He's got length. He's got size. We need to be giving him shots and, and under the under the direction of Courtney Messingham, this offense just didn't really make any kind of concerted effort to do that. It was much more designed to to get the ball to to Deuce Vaughn. He was obviously K State's leading receiver last year in terms of receptions, and, and now it's it's nice to see this again shift in focus from Klein at a higher level, moving the ball away from Deuce Vaughn, not totally ignoring him in the passing game, but getting it to Malik, getting it to Philip Brooks and Cade Warner and others. Um, and one of those others was Ben Sennett. Three catches for him for 85 yards. His two-touchdown performance against Baylor the week prior follows it up, has another nice touchdown, a 50-50 ball. And again, a guy that like him, just a, a big, burly H-back who can just wrestle that thing away. Great job taking it away from the defensive back in the secondary and, and, and to play. And it was a that was a t- that was a tight throw by Howard rolling out to his right. And that was a that was a dangerous spot. West Virginia could have absolutely made a play on that and stopped that drive and gotten a pick in the end zone. But credit again to Ben Sennett for, for fighting and winning that battle and getting that touchdown to put K-State up uh, or uh, rather expand the Wildcats lead, I should say. And he's been a, a great weapon for this K-State passing attack. Philip Brooks, four catches, 38 yards for him. A, a Philip Brooks line, if ever there was one. But again, he's been reliable for this team. Great to see him continue to contribute. Cade Warner, four catches for him for 16 yards. Sammy Wheeler had a nice game as well. A couple catches for him, including a big 33-yarder on that first possession in which the and, and that got the ball into West Virginia territory and set up ultimately that 15-yard touchdown run by Deuce Vaughn. Everybody getting involved in the passing game. We touched on it as far as the rushing game goes. Only 67 yards for Deuce Vaughn on 22 carries. Does have a touchdown, and somebody who bet the over on the Deuce Vaughn touchdowns, which was for some reason set at one half. I cashed that ticket, so I'll happily take it. He did move into ninth all-time in school history and career rushing yards. DJ Giddens, though, I think the the bigger story here uh, with 78 yards, I mentioned the the long touchdown run in the first quarter. Back-to-back weeks now that DJ Giddens has had 10 or more carries, had 13 against Baylor and 12 this past Saturday. And and prior to this, uh, these last two weeks, he only had 23 in the first six conference games. So it's nice to see the coaches and trusting him more and more as the season goes along. I don't know if that's being done in an effort to kind of alleviate some of the workload from Deuce Vaughn. And it's hard to say that when Deuce ends up with 22 carries, but in the same breath, it's not, it's great to see DJ produce when given the ball. And again, he helped churn out a couple of conversions on that last, uh, or rather that second to last possession for the Kansas State offense. Like I said, when the Wildcats took over, West Virginia had scored to make it 48 to 31. Still some time left in the game and uh, nine minutes and 29 seconds in the final quarter. And you're, you're, you're feeling pretty comfortable up 17. You're up three scores. And is West Virginia really going to get the ball three more times? Probably not. But in the same breath, Giddens goes out there and, and really just helps grind out the last couple of uh, of minutes for that K-State offense. They eat up five minutes, almost six minutes a clock, 11 plays, 44 yards. Uh, Will They do go for it on a fourth down and six at the West Virginia 31, and they unfortunately come up short. But again, you eat up a lot of that fourth quarter there 
and, and really helped, in effect, ice the game. So great to see DJ Giddens continue to grow in his game. His confidence continues to swell as well. He He's playing at a great level right now and knowing how poor the KU run defense is. I imagine DJ is going to get some chances to, to make some gains against that Hawk uh, front this coming Saturday. Again, when you add it all up, it's, it's, it's a great outing for your Wildcats over 400 yards, the 48 points over six yards per play. A lot to be pleased with on that side of the ball. Now, I'll flip the script here, talk about defense, and, and again, a lot to a lot of ways to parse this game as far as the defensive play goes. 369 yards allowed on 62 snaps. That is technically just under six yards per play, 5.95. But if you're going to round up, you're going to round up there. West Virginia, 153 yards on the ground, 4.5 per carry, 216-yard passing, just 7.7 attempt for Garrett Green. Only nine Havoc plays on 62 snaps against West Virginia's offense. That's 14.5%. But two of those Havoc plays were touchdowns, one of which was a direct, uh, or rather, two of those Havoc plays resulted in points for Kansas State. The the pick six, obviously, by Sincere Mason, and then the pick by Julius Brents, ultimately ending in a Kansas, a drive ending in a Kansas State touchdown just a few plays later. And then also you talk about money downs as well. West Virginia, just two of 10 on third, two of four on fourth downs. You also turn away the Mountaineers on both of their two-point tries. So, like I said, you can you can pick some spots and find some some reasons to be positive with this performance. Garrett Green wasn't really a factor running the ball for West Virginia. He only manages 17 yards against this Kansas State defense after he rushed for well over 100 against Oklahoma the week before. The frustrating part was letting the deep threat Sam James get behind you a handful of times and have the three touchdown catches. That That's obviously the big point of contention there. To that point... I do think you miss Kobe Savage, maybe not necessarily for because those were his covers or those were players he would have been responsible for covering on all those snaps. But I think it was something where you miss his his leadership on the back end and his knowledge and understanding of, of, of alignment pre and uh, pre snap and whatnot. I think that was the thing that was missed. And again, that the, the obviously crazy pace at which the first quarter was played at did not help anybody in terms of getting settled and, and learning how to adjust to life without Kobe Savage. So it is what it is. It happens. The defense settled in, got its footing and played pretty solid in that second half. And again, there were plenty of bright spots to point at. You talk about also Brendan Mott was one of those big bright spots, led the team in tackles with eight, three sacks named big 12 defensive player of the week that those three sacks tied for fourth most in a single game in K-State history. Great to see him really rise up when King Felix is just being harassed. He's being held. He's and there, there was obviously some frustration on Felix's part when he just blew up Garrett Green on that opening drive of the second half for West Virginia on, on a clear dead ball delay of game that uh, apparently allegedly he didn't hear the whistle. But he he's he's getting held. He's getting double teamed. I I, I understand it. Just kind of boils over and it gets at you. And and I will say though. That's, there is a silver lining in that other guys are stepping up. If it's if it's Nate Matlack, if it's in this case, case if it's Brandon Mott, you like seeing other guys delivered 
when other players are commanding so much more attention on the defense. So love to see that from Brandon Mott. Congrats to him on being named the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. Julius Brents gets the uh, gets an interception for Kansas State. As I mentioned, that's his third of the season. Yeah, Daniel Green collecting seven stops for the defense. Uh, again, a number of bright spots to point at. Josh Hayes, I, I don't want to harp on the kid. He had a bad day at the office. And those are, those are going to happen. Those are going to happen. And very close on that first play. I think if he gets his head turned around a little bit quicker, he that's that ball is one in which he can make a play on, potentially intercept on that play. That was that first touchdown for West Virginia. But he's been so rock solid. And again, he's the team leader in Havoc plays this season. I, I know we're going to get a good bounce back effort from him this next Saturday. And, and you know, he's going to be wanting to go out there and atone for that performance that he had against West Virginia. We know he's capable of better play. He's shown that throughout the course of this season. He had a great outing against Baylor the week prior. He was flying all over the field in that one, had a couple of big time stops and some key moments against the Bears. Just got to flush it, put that one in the rear view. Again, not going to harp on the kid. He's been great for K-State. He was absolutely a hit as far as the transfers go in the offseason. I, I, I can't let one bad performance overshadow what has been maybe not an all-Big 12 type of season for him, but one in which he will likely get some sort of recognition, be it second team or honorable mention. He's been he's been great. The Huggy Bear was neutralized. We didn't call his name all that much for Kansas State, but again, very much the same thing as Hayes. Um, just with the way that West Virginia plays how quickly the ball gets out of Garrett Green's hands and, and running wide uh, it's it's tough for them to get out and make plays and they they gave the ball to a couple of different backs guys that frankly I'll I'll hand up I'll admit I, I did not foresee those running backs getting a lot of carries I thought it was going to be a whole lot of Tony Mathis in this game for West Virginia as far as the run game goes uh, just frankly because we hadn't seen many other guys outside of him getting carries for the Mountaineers. But uh, we saw a couple of different dudes rise up and make some some pretty big plays for West Virginia. And Jalen Anderson had a nice 23-yard run. He averaged almost 10 yards a carry on just seven uh, rushes. Justin Johnson also, he had 63 yards, averaged uh, just under six yards per carry. So uh, West Virginia got a couple of different pieces involved as far as personnel goes and they they aren't the type that just really smash it they, they didn't want to just smash Tony Mathis into the line knowing how pedestrian his, he's been this season so Neil Brown and, and offensive coordinator Graham Harold they they zigged when Kansas State zagged it took the Wildcats again a minute to just settle in and once the Cats did all was fine all was fine so as far as the keys that I had outlined for this Kansas State defense in this one, confused Garrett Green. You force the two interceptions. Both of those result in touchdowns uh, for Kansas State, be it, again, the pick six and or the drive uh, and after the Julius Brents interception that results in the interception, uh, or rather that was uh, after. Can't talk today, folks. The possession after K-State takes over following the Brents interception results in a K-State touchdown. You got a couple of turnovers there off of a young quarterback. You were solid in that department. Uh, he was 16 of 28, so wasn't necessary. He wasn't like lighting K State up for like 70, 80 percent of his throws. A nice, nice day in the secondary. Just needed some time to catch their breath. Uh, said you needed to be sound on defense. Uh, just being prepared for, for trick plays, aggressive play calling, uh, noting that West Virginia was 19 of 26 for fourth down attempts going into this game was one of the uh, uh, one of the 
highest uh, teams in the nation as far as fourth down conversion uh, percentage goes. K-State held them to two of four on fourth down. Uh, they only allowed one trick play to, to get them, uh, the little throwback to green that got them for 12 yards. At the end of the day, I, I frankly was a little surprised we didn't see Neil Brown try and pull out more trickery against K-State. But to that point, the defense really didn't get beat up too much as far as that uh, as far as that is concerned. So all in all, I, I, again, you, you, you don't like the almost six yards per play, but this this game was just weird. It, it, it was just weird. And, and frankly, I, I'm far more inclined to throw out that that wild first quarter and just say I, I'm going to focus in on the final three quarters in which that K-State defense was fairly respectable once it just had a chance to 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 actually talk about some of the concepts West Virginia's throwing out there, some of the alignments they're throwing out there and personnel groupings. Once Klanderman and company had a chance to do that, they settled in. They were, they were good in this one. And, and even you, you take, even with the pick six into taken into consideration, you still held West Virginia below their scoring average at home in big 12 games. Fine. Just fine. You take that win, you run with it. One thing I will note here, as far as, uh, an area of the game that really did swing, I, I, I think, and play a pretty large role in shaping how this one played out. Special teams. Whew. Ty Zentner should be special teams player of the week. He's not going to give it, get it because of Griffin Kell knocking in that fire drill field goal for TCU for the walk-off win against Baylor. But Zentner had a great outing. All six of his PATs good. Two for two on field goal tries, including career longs of 46 and then surpass that later on in the game with a 53 yarder. Both of those could not have been more true than they just struck the ball remarkably well on those six touchbacks on his nine kickoffs. Great performance by Ty Zentner. I I'll just say this as far as the position of place kicker goes. I think the reason tenant got this job early on is because the staff knew that Ty Zentner was not going to be here next year. I think that's the big reason why a lot of people, I, I've seen that question, why why, why, is he, why hasn't he been the kicker from day one? I, I think it's more than anything the staff wanting to give the guy that they know is going to be here for the next however many seasons an opportunity to continue to work on his craft and build his confidence. Now, unfortunately, Tennant has not been the most reliable option. He's obviously given way here to Zentner for the last half of the season. It sucks that it's played out that way, but in the same breath for Zentner, seeing him now go uh, seven of seven on his field goal tries, that's been so refreshing to see. No one's holding their breath when, when the place kick unit goes out there to try a field goal. I, I'm all too happy for him. And, and again, I hope I hope he's legitimately considered uh, for some type of special teams accolades. He was also named a semifinalist for the Ray Guy Award given to the nation's best punter. So all the kudos in the world to Ty Zetner as far as the K-State kicking game goes. Now, on the flip side for West Virginia, this this got this game really weird, was Casey Legg after the pick six, and West Virginia's trotting him out there to make it 14-all. Biff's the PAT. West Virginia, K-State goes up, again, gets a couple of touchdowns after that, goes up 28-13. to West Virginia scores. He goes out there again, biffs another one. And from that point on, those two points loomed fairly large because then West Virginia was chasing those on their 
subsequent touchdowns. And K-State's defense, again, held up. They, they, they turned West Virginia away on both of those two-point uh, conversion tries later on in the contest. And, and frankly, that, that really did make this game three scores for all intents and purposes. This could have been a, a much more tightly contested game, but the fact that Casey Legg was just wildly erratic. He was a perfect 13 of 13 on the season, hadn't missed a PATE either, and he just had a rough day at the office, man. So if you're Kansas State, hey, man, we'll happily take it. That that played such a big role in, in, in shaping this game, and it really was the big reason why I never really was sweating the outcome in this one because it, it was never really it never really seemed like West Virginia was going to be able to get all of the necessary, get that touchdown, get the two, get the touchdown, get the two. Like it never really felt like West Virginia was ever going to be able to mount that type of a comeback. So thanks to Casey Lake, making my life a little bit less stressful on a Saturday. Appreciate you, my man. So that is the book on this game. Kansas state again, 48 to 31 winners in Morgantown. A big victory for your Wildcats has put them into position now where Literally nothing else matters. It is Kansas State and Kansas this Saturday in Manhattan, Kansas, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Cats win. They're going to the Big 12 championship game. It's time to close this thing out. And I'm the type of fan, I'm the type of person who tries not to deflect and distract the way that it seems like so many people are. Everybody pissed off about Tim Brando getting to call the game for Big Fox. People putting their eggs in the, well, let's just hope Baylor can beat Texas basket so we don't have to worry about KU. Is that how you want to make it to the Big 12 championship? You want Baylor to beat Texas and do you a favor, but K-State fall flat on its face and lose at home to KU for the first time in 15 years? That really going to be satisfying for you as a fan? Come on now. Come on. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> it's just comical for me because so many people have complained for years now, not just in the Chris Kleiman era, but during the Snyder 2.0 era. People complain relentlessly about the fact that this team didn't play meaningful games in November, wasn't in the running for a Big 12 championship, wasn't being considered for big time either BCS or New Year's Six Bowl games. Here you go. Here you go. Chris Kleiman and this team have delivered. They've got a Big 12 championship caliber team. And it's put itself in a position now with one win to punch the ticket and get to Arlington. This is what everybody has been clamoring for. This is what everybody's wanted. And while, yes, Texas losing would do you a favor, in the same breath, if you want to win conference championships, if you want to get to big time bowl games, your team has to step up and deliver in big moments. They have to win seismic games. They have to take care of business. So do it. And as fans, be excited that this program is here in this spot. Be excited at the prospect of beating your rival on your home field and punching the ticket to the Big 12 championship game in the process. Hearing Mitch Fortner get out over the PA and talk about calling 1-800-221-CATS to order your tickets to the Big 12 title game. My God, would it get any better? And lastly, 
don't consume yourself with matters that are beyond your control. Just enjoy the ride as a fan. Be grateful that this program has ascended to the level at which it currently resides. There are a lot of teams with coaches in their fourth years who are nowhere near where they want to be. They are nowhere near the level Chris Kleiman currently has Kansas State, and that's a credit to him and his staff. He talked about it in a lot of those post-game locker room videos that I'm sure many of our listeners have seen, saying this team, this program belongs to the players. And it's obviously such a stark contrast to where things were under Bill Snyder, the taskmaster approach, the head coach having his fingerprint on, on every little minute detail of the program and everything that went on within it. It, it, it really does just go to show that there are other ways to do it. There are other ways to, ha- to be successful. And again, not meant at all to be critical of Bill Snyder. I, I just, I, I say that only to the fans who, who didn't believe that another coach could, could, could get Kansas State to this level. And, and here Chris Kleiman is doing it a completely different way. And it's working. That's the long and the short of it. And I, I have confidence, again, that this team will be able to bow up one last time and deliver in a big spot, knowing the stakes are high, knowing that this is going to be the last home game for a lot of seniors that are, are vital on this roster. One last chance to lay it on the line with a berth in the Big 12 championship. You couldn't ask for much more. You couldn't ask for much more. And... We'll obviously be putting out an episode to preview this game here over the next couple of days, so keep your eyes on your College and Kimball podcast feed. Safe travels to all of our wonderful listeners out there and all of the K-State fans, obviously. If you're going across the Sunflower State, if you're going out of state, be safe, be smart on those roads, and, and enjoy time with your families. Enjoy this moment that Kansas State ha- has provided to you. Looking forward very much to the game forthcoming this Saturday and Justin Nutter and I will obviously be back to break all that down for you. So I'm going to go ahead and get off the soapbox here and close this thing out the way that I always do. Cats, man. If you know, you know. A, B, C. A, always B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. <laughs>